Hey, Journeyers. Before we get into this week's podcast episode, I want to let you know about an absolutely groundbreaking live online event happening November 20th, 2021 with yours truly and Reality Shifter's own Cynthia Sue Larson. Cynthia and I have teamed up to put together a mini masterclass on how to identify if the ascension is happening to you, and if so, what to do with it. Are we on an ascension timeline right now? Does the absolute madness of a twilight zone type of world, coupled with your own accelerated but strange experiences like increased synchronicity, repeating numbers, and even bizarre physical symptoms trying to tell you something? Cynthia is going to help us make sense of it all with what she calls ascension markers. But more than just sharing what she's learned in her over 25 years of hard research into consciousness and reality shifts, she will be letting us in on some little known secrets as to how we can proactively integrate these experiences into our own ascension process so we can get and stay on this extraordinary timeline while others may just be stumbling through an otherwise crazy world with eyes wide shut. If you want to see and feel what's really happening around us and what it all means for you, then join us on Saturday, November 20th at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time for this empowering event with Cynthia Sue Larson. We will, of course, have a link in the description of this podcast episode. Now, on with the show. Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. By all appearances, it seems that humanity is being pushed to the brink to let go of the old world in order to join up with the new. The domination of left-brain, ego-based living has run its course, and now the more creative, intuitive, and infinite part of us is readying itself to take its proper place of prominence in this new world. But what will be needed in order to cut the old umbilical cord away so we can be birthed into a new way of living? Author and intuition expert Penny Pierce says that the ever-expanding frequency of the planet may actually be creating a bifurcation of itself in order to accommodate this new way of being. However, not everyone will be on board with this different version of Earth. With heightened polarity and division in our faces right now, could this be the most obvious sign that this planetary bifurcation is actually happening? And what will it take for those wanting to join this new way of living to become a new human in a new world? Where do we begin? Let's find out now with Penny Pierce. I cannot believe it's been a year and a half, almost to the day, Penny Pierce, that you were last on the show. And my oh my, how things have continue to change right continue oh. to change yeah. first let me say welcome before because i'm so anxious to jump into a journey because <laughs> we've got a lot to, a lot to flesh out today uh glad to have you back at such a critical time sustained yeah. critical times isn't oh, it? it just seems like yesterday that we were talking it's i can't believe it i know but I know. yeah the weeks are like days now the weeks are like days, the days mm-hmm. are like minutes. And mm-hmm. well, I think this would be a great time to get right into this idea of time being becoming less linear. Let's start with that. Let's just <laughs> let's just get right into it. Time. As a matter of fact, I want to just let you know, journeyers, you probably know we just did a, a little uh, segment about I think it was last week where it was just me talking about this idea of time becoming just less um 
apparent. Actually, no, I take that back. It was not what I discussed. I'm doing so much stuff these days, Penny. It was in the community tab where I, I did a poll to find out what anomalies are happening with people now more than ever. Synchronicity, uh, sort of a distorted perspective of time and something else. And time was the thing that people talked about the most. Time seems to be mm-hmm. shorter or elongated or warped. Give me your thoughts on your perspective on what what's happening with time these days. Uh, it does feel very elastic, as though um, it's kind of going in and out like this a bit. And I think it has something to do with your uh, own consciousness sometimes, you know. But I do feel that um, this year in particular, um, things have been just speeding, really, really speeding by. And yet when you go into the present moment, it just like slows down and everything opens up. But then you come back to your sort of left brain reality and you're behind. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know how that works, but it seems like uh, I, I keep having suddenly too many details and many things to catch up on. And yet I've been busy. You know, it's not like I'm just sitting around. So. So it seems like our experience of time is changing. This isn't, look, any of the things that we talk about on this show, Journeyers, and you you hear, I'm sure, on other shows, is not new. It's just the advancement of or the intensification of all of these things, right? Right. What's changed in a year and a half since we last talked, as far as you're concerned? Uh, I think, you know, I've been talking for a while about how the acceleration on the planet is Um, raising the frequency of our bodies, which is also raising the frequency of the subconscious mind, which means that all the stuff we used to be able to push down and deflect and suppress can't be stored there anymore. So it's all coming up to the surface, which is our conscious mind, which is daily reality or current events, you know. And so that has accelerated to me into a huge... uh, thing it's and it's become that the polarization has started occurring in a greater way so much so that i've been writing about the bifurcation of realities uh, the, even the bifurcation of possible versions of the earth at some point uh, but i think we we see it with politics we see it with conspiracy theories mushrooming all over the place and um i think that's going to continue but it really feels like um, there is a global ego death going on, do you know, where individually we're having to let go of just thinking we are our left brain and that we're alone in the world and we have to control everything or we're victims and we try to control by doing that even. Uh, but, but I think th- at this point, th- people are either locking down into their ego-based reality and their sense of I am I'm right and nobody else is and everybody else is dangerous. Or um, people who are waking up are actually surpassing and moving beyond the polarization. So they're taking like the third point on the triangle. You know, they're not on the bottom line opposing each other anymore. They're just moving beyond it to see unity and not feeding the polarization 
but the polarized people are feeding the polarization. Right. And I think that's going to lead to um, probably, I, I was thinking yesterday, a second American revolution. Hmm. Or global like revolution. Yeah. I mean, what we're but, about now is global, but of course we lead the way, right? Mm-hmm. So. I think maybe, yeah. Um, I had, had been predicting more violence and more kind of that kind of thing. But I also feel, um, you know, it's uh, the pandemic really, I think, has been a part of this because I had been saying that I thought a lot of people would die on the planet and then we would have this kind of bifurcation of planets. People would leave the body and they'd reincarnate back into a planet that's more of their own vibration, where the people who are waking up would reincarnate back into a high frequency planet that's very different working differently, but there's really a shifting of uh, the balance of power on the planet so that those who cannot keep up with the acceleration are, um, they're going to not know exactly what to do and they're going to be more desperate. And Mm. I don't, I think suicides, but the pandemic and other kinds of larger scale mass passings, if you will, I think will happen. Um, so, but I, I don't have a sense of tragedy about that. I mean, it's going to seem that way for sure on the surface, but I, I look at the underpinnings of it and I feel it as something that's evolutionary for mm-hmm. everyone. I've called it this sort of great paradox of reality that we're in the midst of the most, and I'm, I still struggle with the, with an adjective to use to describe the depth of what we're going through, Penny, and this, this, the death of so much, figuratively speaking, that seems so wrong and bad and unbelievable and unthis and unthat, and yet the, uh, the synergy of the blessing that's within it, the, the synergy, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, of the of the the pol- polarity, the opposites yeah. that are kind of conjoined to bring mm-hmm. about what what you're talking about, what so many have talked about, this new earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or the bifurcation from with the, mm-hmm. the old from the the new with the old. Yeah, it's mind yeah. twisting. It's mind twisting, really. Well, it's it's hard to understand. You have to go into the energy world and understand the non physical reality in order to understand what actually is happening at the core. Because on the surface, it just looks awful. Underneath, it's really complicated and and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the inner blueprint of the of the planet is shifting, you know? And so I think, you know, the planet will continue to accelerate and global warming is part of that. It's a high frequency, higher frequency in some ways. Um, So, but, you know, part of uh, what I see is um, people who are waking up, not only are aware of time, being so fast, but also they seem to be going through this really intensification of uh, decluttering, I would call it, Mm -hmm. you know, of clearing the clutter, both in their houses, you know, and people seem to be going through a lot of type A experiences, which would be, (laughs) you know, deaths in the family, Mm -hmm. divorces, getting new jobs, moving across country, buying new houses, having to get rid of possessions, sort through their, their, mother who passed and all her possessions and clean out her house um, 
and go through all the memories that were associated with that. And um, so it's a letting go of attachments and it's also a letting go of identity, which is part of the ego death thing. You know, who do you think you are? You have to be this little box down here of a personality and that's all you are. Mm -hmm. No, you are so much more vast than that. So I think the emptying out process has to happen and then being able to be with that spaciousness Mm. in order for us to see that, oh, gosh, there's a lot more to me. Or I can, there, the imaginal realm is so huge, I can pick anything I want you know, and, and create realities. I think we're coming into our identity as mini creators, you know, and mm-hmm. a- able to understand how that actually works and not feel like victims and not feel so limited. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are going there. Or they are wrestling and struggling with the old ideas that say it's impossible. Right. Well, this brings me to, you. this is a very interesting that you're bringing up, Penny, because I'm getting the sense that where, where you're getting this from is people are feeling this need to rid themselves of possessions, if you will, mm-hmm. wanting to clean house, right. both uh, figuratively and literally for a, a number of reasons. And this brings me to the question of, Intuitively speaking, do you feel that those intuitive hits to do to take those step, steps are happening now more than ever? Is intuition accelerating in people, even if they're not consciously aware of it, to make yeah. these decisions? What's right. happening with that? Yes, it is. But partly because I think that when the sensitivity of the body goes up because the frequency is rising, you start to feel more you become aware of what I've always called energy information, you know, and uh, like telepathy or, you know, things that are not always concrete. Um, And that kind of uh, hypersensitivity allows us to become more empathic and also, um, you know, just more interconnected with everything around us. You know, we're starting to really work a lot with energy and frequency and vibrations and and feeling everything, all the different vibrations of the different forms and the different people and the different emotional states. So we're learning to discriminate states of being now very easily, like to read people and know when they're um, on the edge of getting angry or are just about to open their heart or, you know, there are a lot of different states of being that we can tune into, you know, and change our own state when you notice that you've gotten off center and depressed or frustrated, you know, we don't have to stay in that because it's a low vibration. Mm -hmm. And so could we relegate this all to a function of this planet in an acceleration mode and we with it? Is that what's triggering this? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it will continue and that these things will become really second nature. And people who are just living in their left brain and need proof for everything and analytical rigor and all of that, that they're going to realize that's just not enough and it's too slow. And that we've got to work with intuition and direct knowing in order to get larger patterns of information coming into us all at once. 
then let it bubble up and start to make sense to the left brain. But the right brain is going to be the main vehicle now mm-hmm. for us to access more of who we actually are and how, what life actually is and how it actually works, you know, at a more sophisticated level. I'd say it's about time for sure. I've always said, or at least for the last couple of decades, it's time for the, the left brain to, uh, to take its foot off the gas pedal, <clears throat> excuse me, and let the right brain take its proper place of prominence. Mm-hmm. But I still say, tell me if you agree, there's an equilibrium before we can just totally annihilate the left brain. I don't know that we're, we're meant to as almost, no, 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 can, but no, to it's establish important. equilibrium, right? Right. Well, the left brain is responsible for allowing us to actually focus on things and choose things. It's, it's a, well, Terence McKenna said something about, you know, the function of the left brain is to interrupt the right brain. Otherwise, <laughs> we would never be able to know anything consciously because we would be part of the all that is. So the left brain is our a vehicle for conscious knowing and for uh, making meaning, you know. And uh, but when we start identifying with that, that uh, it's it's like a defining method that it has methodology it wants to organize and define and and make things separate and distinct and discrete and then we start identifying with that we get very very scientific but then and or intellectual and then we get stuck in that Mm -hmm. thinking that is the way and that is the way we are that's that's the way i am Mm -hmm. and that's ego and it, it limits us of course, all the great scientists always use their intuition, right, to get their insights. Then they went ahead and worked with it to prove pass it. the baton over to the left brain, so it yeah. has a function. That's mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah, for sure. You know what? We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back from that break, we're going to talk about this idea of ascension, a word that Penny <laughs> and I don't typically like to use, but we know that the, you know there are some markers and identifiers when we say that word. So on the other end of this break, we're going to talk about that, what the ascension is, what it isn't, the myths, etc. So stay with us. We'll be right back. We are living at a time of great challenge and incredible opportunity. A time when taking life into our own hands, charting our own course, and finding our own answers is more accessible than ever before. During this time, you may be asking yourself, what am I called to do? What if I could discover not only my own inner healing power, but help others all over this planet discover theirs? We all have the ability to heal ourselves, but it takes a special approach, a unique approach. Quantum Healing Hypnosis Technique, also known as QHHT, a method developed by pioneering hypnotherapist and past life regression expert Dolores Cannon, is the approach that thousands have used and taught to access the deeper aspect of the self for healing at the core level. We all have the ability to tap into the higher self, the oversoul, the higher consciousness, and we have the means to help others to do the same. QHHT is designed to help the individual access the subconscious, the storehouse of all information through visualization at the deepest level imaginable, a process that Dolores Cannon discovered and refined during her decades of working with individuals from around the globe. 
Training with QHHT will provide the guidance and give you the tools to help others tap that incredible force within. Now you can access this exclusive training online, bringing the tools needed right to you so you can assist others in finding their own answers and achieve total healing. This is powerful and needed now more than ever. Be a part of the pioneering work and legacy of Dolores Cannon by learning QHHT. Start today by clicking on the link in the description of this show to get started. And when you do, don't forget to mention Higher Journeys to get a 10% course discount when you sign up. It's time we all take back control of our lives and chart the course for success at every level. It's time to discover the power of quantum healing hypnosis technique by helping others to help themselves. And by doing this, we are helping to heal the world. All right, everyone, we're back with my guest, Penny Pierce. We're talking about ascension. Well, we're talking about a lot of things, but they all kind of boil down to the same thing. The fact that we are in the midst of historical change and we both agree ultimately for the better, but there's some pain points. There's some pain points, Penny, with this idea of evolution, of movement into a greater part of our being and the planetary's being. But I'm going to use the word ascension for the sake of argument. And for those of you that don't know, we are about to, I'm so excited, uh, have a course where we will be talking about what the ascension is, what it isn't, and how to use that knowledge to ground yourself into what's going on with Cynthia Sue Larson. So, so delighted that we're going to be, uh, we're going to be going there as part of our cracking the ascension code series. But I want to talk about what the ascension isn't. And we can replace that word. Let's let's make it interchangeable with the ball as an example. The ball. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell, tell us where to start. Um, <laughs> I think I need to start actually with um, ideas about ascension and that it's a lot of people are they don't like being in the body, and so they this is they say this is my last lifetime. I'm going to just this be out of here. I'm going to ascend, and that's it. Or it'll be like an ascended master where you can just dissolve your body and go somewhere else or even teleport and bring your body back somewhere else. That it has to do with the shifting of of matter into energy or light and then from light back into energy or matter um, through a discipline of the mind, of perception. And I think that actually is what ascension is. But I also think it has a lot to do with just simple evolution. That we have come from the spiritual realm and we have involved ourselves by spiraling down in frequency into a point where we crystallize in three dimensions as objects and so-called empty space. And once we get in here, I have another stage I think of as immersion, where we get into the physical world and we buy into it and we're feeling separate from the world. And then we we go into fear and, sep- and that separation causes us to have suffering and pain, you know. And then as we get sick of that, we start to get insights about how it really was in spirit, you know, <laughs> like, like. <laughs> ah, there's a better way. I don't have to do this or I could do this. And you start learning. Maybe it's through religion first or ritual and ceremony. You start remembering glimpses of the way the spiritual realm works. 
then you prove that or you integrate that into your, your own life. And then you go on and get the next layer of insight. And that is where we're winding ourselves back out again from the density into higher frequencies, which is evolution. So we're on a kind of round trip, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and so I think some people have called the evolution process, the ascension process, mm-hmm. yes. because it also looks like because of the way we perceive reality now from being in the physical world so much, we perceive things in a linear way, you know, you're over there. I'm over here. There's a line between us. We have to go through these stages to connect. We have a goal, but it's over there in the future and it's separate from us. So we have to, you know, use willpower to get there. Uh, And so when you have models of like heaven and earth, it's linear. I'm here in the physical and heaven's up there somewhere out there in this other, and I have to go through this line, like go up a stair stairway to heaven. That's right. Right. And that is old perception. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this lines up with what you've been thinking. Absolutely. Oh, I have. Yeah, I think I've told this story before, but I'll share it with, with the journeyers and with you. When I started Higher Journeys, this was sort of an epiphany that I had, Penny, that I was sort of toying with this idea of creating a, a blog. Initially, it was just a blog. And I thought, what would the name be? And I will tell you, it came out of the blue, Higher Journeys. And I'm like, that's so unlike you, Alexis. You're so non-hierarchical. Where did that come from? Higher, lower? I stuck with it. But I agree with you. This idea of hierarchy has always been a little bit of a pain point for me. And I think Mm. it's been a bit misleading. And yet, because we think linearly, at least as of now, perhaps we're starting to move out of that mode and and, and think more in a 360 right in the middle of that ball that I want you Mm -hmm. to talk about. Yeah. But it's still there. It still exists. And for the sake of argument, we use these labels and we have these sort of these ideas, but let's hope that they're starting to expand uh, and break that line, if you will. Yeah. I I mean, I think higher can be higher frequency, but higher could be substituted with, with maybe more uh, a refined frequency, uh, you know, a a more sophisticated frequency. It's not higher in terms of distance. Right, Because what's happening now due to the acceleration is everything is getting sucked into this vast present moment. It's very hard to uh, almost have a future anymore. You have potentials, potential realities. But the, so the new model is not that you have past, present, future on a line, but you're in the middle of a large sphere Mm -hmm. or your ball, you know, and that is, your present moment. If, if, if clairvoyants always see the aura as spherical, you know, when they look at something, it's always a ball of light, you know, and we are in the center of our own ball of light. And so that spherical reality to me, as I experience it, it's like a zoom lens on a camera. It goes out and encompasses Mm. more of the total body of knowledge of the unified field or if you want to come down in frequency, and it doesn't mean descending, it means frequency-wise slowing down into the physical, and you're doing a task at your desk. Or then you're, you zoom out and you're daydreaming. 
you know, we're in and out like this, like breathing through the field all the time. And at night, of course, too, we're dreaming in all kinds of different zones. I love it. I think breathing through the field, I think that is so, that's so uh, perfect. I don't know if you and I had this conversation before, Penny, we've had so many, but this idea of a view or being in the center of something and what's around you is literally infinite. How many times have we heard of individuals, whether in a meditative, a deep meditative experience, an out-of-body experience, a near-death experience, in which they have the sense that they can see 360 degrees. Mm -hmm. They can see behind them. They can Mm -hmm. see, I guess you would call it here, peripherally, but this expanded view as if they're in the center. Speak to that a little bit, if you would. Well, I think when you let the physical uh, dissolve a bit, you then... Our, I mean, I've had this experience where I breathed in and, and the world dissolved and I was like a, just floating in space, but it was all around and everywhere. And then if I exhaled, I it, whatever, it, it came back and then it went out and it came back. And I got that feeling of how uh, the physical is just a shift of perception, really, and, a, and, you, and it materializes. And then you can close your eyes or whatever and go back out and then you're in in the field again. But I think that's the natural state is that you're a a spherical point of perception and everything is inside that ball with you. And here's where the hologram comes in because inside the ball, I always picture it as billions and more than you can imagine of little points of light are making up your ball. And each one of those is a potential reality. Each one of those, it could even be a kind of quality that you might like in your potential reality. You might pick six qualities and combine them and you'd have a reality, you know? Uh, So when you place attention on any of those points, they come forward and start to become more physical and come around you and become a reality if you keep your attention focused on them if you take your attention out of them they dissolve back into the field so that's the way we create now right but nothing is outside the ball and that's the hard part for the linear mind to get because well oh my ball's here but there's more out there no as soon as you think about there your ball has become that big mm-hmm mm-hmm it's never outside of you. And so anything you need is in that present moment with you. All your past experiences are just dots in that ball. Mm-hmm. All your past life experiences, same. All your potential future options are all there. You can have any variety of them. So here's here's the a question that I have that maybe the journeyers would have too in terms of, I know you speak so often about placing attention on one of those little balls of little sparks of light in this ball that you want to see come to a a state of manifestation. When you say place attention, we can think of attention as just obsessing about it all the time, forcing our will. I know that's not what you're saying, but how might one, when you say place attention on a given thing or scenario, do that? What is the best way to place attention? You might start with the idea of noticing what you notice. 
like you're going along in your day and suddenly something catches your attention, literally catches your attention. Mm -hmm. And you go, oh, that one dish over there, I should take it to the sink. And the thought is there, the, the idea, everything kind of comes in. And then if it really comes in longer, you actually go and do it, you know, but there is a feeling state that comes along with noticing something because the minute before you weren't noticing it. And then suddenly you are. And that is attention. But the idea then is that once you notice something, stay with it, with your focus, be with it, you know, with your whole uh, perception or whole mind or whole feeling state. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more you be with something, the more you get closer to it and you start to understand it more. I almost feel like it's like a flower that just starts blooming a million petals, you know, and you go further and further and further into a communion with whatever you're looking at or being with until pretty soon you get so close to it that you actually merge with it. And now let's say, you know, the tree by being the tree and you understand what it's there for, what it's life is all about, what it knows and everything has consciousness inside. Mm-hmm. And that is uh the ultimate mindfulness practice. Absolutely. We've heard this before, for sure. Be the ball, be the tree. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that we can do this on command necessarily because it's, you know, again, the left brain is just going constantly saying, how do I do this? Or, Or you're stupid or, you know, but it's, I don't know. I guess it's oftentimes I know that people that have had myself included some of these sort of, um, transcendent experiences they come seemingly arbitrarily it's nothing that we exert to put ourselves there to become the tree it's Mm -hmm. instantaneous where you just know you and the tree as an example are one Mm -hmm. but here we're talking about more of a conscious process i think right right yeah it it is a spiritual practice that is a kind of discipline of noticing what you notice Mm -hmm. And you might notice that your left brain is saying, oh, no, no, you can't control that. No, that's not safe. No, that's not in our repertoire. Uh, Can't do that. Uh, (laughs) And then you can notice the feeling state that comes along with when the left brain takes over and tries to interject itself and control everything. And you can notice that you don't like it. And then you can notice that you can say, no, I don't think we'll do that right now. Let's go back to this kind of centered place where everything's, you know, harmonious and continue from there. These are all things that you develop skills in noticing and then choosing. And as soon as you choose a state that you already know, you slide into it, you know, because we have vibrational memory in our body. We know different states of being. Vibrational memory. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've heard that before. Elaborate a little bit on that. You can imagine, um, you know, playing with a puppy, uh, you, you know, and you know the smell of a puppy and how their little little teeth are, you know, and how they roll around and get on you. And the whole thing unloads because your body remembers exactly how that is, you know, or you can remember the smell of 
um, of a spring day, you know, or a breeze in the spring or, you know, whatever. We have these millions of states of being that involve senses mm-hmm. and, and emotions that all you have to do is almost think of it and you're, you can be right back in it. And your body doesn't really know the difference because That's it's right. sensory. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's that's phenomenal. I remember looking at that that model. I, th- I believe it was John Borisenko that talked mm-hmm. about minding the body, mending the mind. And she brought that up as an example. You think of a lemon as an example. And, yeah. and use that vibrational memory to recall how sour it was. And you'll find your mouth sort of contorting. <laughs> right. It's true. That's fantastic. Yes. Let's talk about fear a little bit. Let's talk about fear because this is a this is an age where fear has been in a heightened state, and I, nobody likes to be in fear, and yet we feel so tethered to it. Not everyone, but most of us, at some point or another, during this frequency acceleration, is fear easier to transmute? I don't want to say get rid of because I don't know that we do, but compost, change <laughs> out of it. What are your thoughts on that fear? Well. Uh, I think a lot of people sublimate the fear into just plain old anxiety and worry, you know, and try to make it tolerable. But even that's becoming intolerable, you know, because we're becoming so ultra sensitive that we are very aware of contractions in our body versus, you know, happy, joyful, flowing, fluid, um, synchronous, magical kinds of activity. And we are at a point where we are up for choosing how we want to feel. That is coming for a lot of people. Oh, I don't have to be a victim. Huh. Uh, I can choose to feel a different way. And then your whole reality shifts. This is what you asked earlier, what I noticed a lot happening. And people are getting this now. Hmm. That They're not staying in the victim state. Like it's occurring, like, oh, I could change something. Remember we used to use the term, let's psych ourselves out. I've been using that a lot. <laughs> let's just psych ourselves out. Is that what's happening? Are we literally talking to ourselves saying, Alexis, you, you don't need to be afraid of this. It's not real anyway. What's happening? What, Or is it just, again, this, 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 uh, is our soul selves saying you know, because I, I remember you saying once, the soul doesn't know, it doesn't identify with fear. It doesn't know. It doesn't fear. even know about it. Is it's the soul not, speaking exist. louder? Is the soul speaking louder? The soul well, of, of course, us speaking louder now. Look, as the physical plane vibrates faster and faster and faster, we're raising our body and emotions and mind up in frequency to match the frequency of the spiritual mm-hmm. realm. Mm-hmm. So we're having more bleed through, if you will, you know, from spirit or we're starting to say oh my gosh this world is the other world spirits in matter you know the soul's in the body you know i am the soul i'm not just my mind my left brain my personality i am the soul and i'm here now making this whole ball of reality this is occurring to people at this point but it may start off occurring by them just saying i just don't like feeling so contracted and negative you know, I hear myself saying and complaining and making negative comments, and I notice I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what else? 
Now there's another way. Right. Yeah. And that sets people off on a journey of reading books and talking and, you know, getting help and stuff like that, which is, you know, happening a lot. There's a lot of practitioners now out there for every possible thing you can imagine. I know. I know. And yet there's no secret sauce, but except soul. Soul is the secret sauce that's always been (laughs) in our midst. You've talked about fear coming to the surface, stuff coming to the Mm -hmm. surface. So it has to be dealt with to make room for this, this, to make our ball bigger, maybe. Yes. Well, to, to allow the, the soul's frequency to actually come through into matter and we run our lives from the soul's point of view without, um, you know, sometimes I think that with fear, it's kind of like a sieve <laughs> that where it's around us, this thing with holes in it and lights coming through the holes to mm. get to us. But the, that's where we have love. That's where we have wisdom and understanding and peace and, and love that we get through to ourselves. The more you clear the fear, which are the solid parts of that sieve, the more light pump comes through. Mm-hmm. And now your life changes and things get easier and you make more money maybe, or you it's make decisions about life changes more easily and they work out, you know, and the more that happens, the more you're living with an identity more as a loving wise being. And then that draws more light through and more fear needs to pop up so that you can get rid of that so that you can become who you really are. So the more light you have, the more fear comes in, but the less important it is. <laughs> does that make sense? Yes, it absolutely you know, It's does. like it comes up and you go, oh, there's another piece. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable, but that was my mother's. You know, I don't even mm-hmm. care about that. You know, why did I copy her? And you realize, you start to see through this stuff really quickly and you go, oh, that's, you know, I'm bored with that. Yeah. I, I don't love need to that. keep I holding these things to myself as though that's who I am and identifying with my fears and limitations. Right. I love that. I'm bored with that. <laughs> it sounds like there's a there's a playfulness that needs to be um, triggered in yeah. all of this. And I'll, I will never forget one of the first interviews you and I did, Penny, is when you talked about the difference between the left and right brain, where the left brain, again, is trying to analyze and work things out when the right brain is going, hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Just detached, neutral, you know, right. playful. Right. Right. Again, this comes back to the beginning of this conversation. How do we bring that? How do we, but it's time to bring that right brain into balance, not mm-hmm. replace the left brain because we still right. need it for the time being, but right. into balance. And and right. I think the things that you're talking about, if we do just that, will happen, has to happen. Right. Well, a lot of the fear is left brain generated. You know, that there's nothing more to say about that. I mean, it, the right brain generates no fear because it's the doorway of the soul. It's a doorway of the unified field. Uh, it's only separation, which is what the left brain is here to perceive. <laughs> and you can't observe something unless you're, sep- unless you're separate from it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so... The left brain is the culprit in many ways of causing us to have fear. I have to ask this question. Let's let's go back to this, what you just said. Yeah. Very strong statement. 
You can only observe something if you're separate from it. I'm going to mm-hmm. challenge that a little bit. If ultimately there is no separation, then how are we observing? Or is it the perception of being separate? It's the left brain's ability to feel separate and walled off from the rest of the brain in a way that allows it to see reality that way. Like here's me and the world is outside of me. It's my, I'm this, this, this thing here. So everything else is not me. Right. That's the way the left brain sees it. And that Mm -hmm. then creates fear because then this big outside world is uncontrollable. It's dangerous. It can hurt me. You know, it has all the supply that I need. So I'd better be good or I better be so controlling that I can get whatever I want when I want it. Mm. You know, so we get like the people who please others or the people who are criminals, you know, the extreme threat. Okay, yeah. Fair enough. No, yeah. I was just, I was just uh, asking about this idea yeah. of observation Right. From well, that's the visual mode. That's the visual mode. The more you drop down through your senses, you become closer and closer and one more one with things. And that's why I said when you place attention on something, first it's visual, then you go in and it becomes more tactile. And pretty soon it just passes through the senses and you are that thing and you have the knowingness of it. And then you're not separate at all. You know, so attention is what reveals that um, communion mm-hmm. space. I think people are starting to pay attention more in general for, for obvious reasons, being in isolation for so long and st- some still are, you know, um, the, the grand plan of the universe perhaps. Yeah. Um, and so attention is be become a priority placing attention you know I, i'm a sky watcher as an example mm. always looking up that's to not look up and to see the wonder of the how the clouds move through these days rare blue skies but when they are and the trees against that to me that is just placing attention on that is so powerful mm-hmm. nature in this whole process but yes i think people are starting to understand the sacredness of attention as well yes yeah, David White called it a live connection with the world. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So it's it's probably the most important skill we have. Placing attention, the art of working with attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet, what's so interesting is <clears throat> when I think of something like meditation, which I've been doing for years and years—not consistently, but I've been practicing for a long time. The goal. Some teachings say with meditation is to take attention off of something, no focus at all, just be without attention on anything, any one thing. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? And some others say focus on one thing to to get rid of all of the the clutter around Mm -hmm. the myriad of thoughts you have. You can look at it both ways. Well, I think focusing on spaciousness is still something. You know, and it, but whenever you get all the way into a communion state, then you have everything. You know, it really is, it's all there. But do you need to know it all right now individually? No. You're one with it. Right. One with it. Yeah. And so, I mean, going back to ascension, I think that these states, when you can 
move out of the separate consciousness and come back into this sense of unity with something. And unity simply meaning finding that sense of familiarity or the self within the other, the same self that you know as self, that sense of inner identity is in everything. You know, and everything has its way of knowing itself. Everything has its way of knowing itself, it, yeah. even the inanimate. And I know right, we talked even about that. your car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This idea of a measure of, of, of what's been called individuated consciousness in all things is, is intriguing to me. And again, the left brain wants to try to work out how that can be. Well, you figure that, you know, the desk before me, I guess at one point it was a tree and trees, trees are alive at some point. And no, 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 there's, there's some, some other recognition, maybe. How would one recognize, let's, I'll put up my fan. Y'all have seen this before, right? <laughs> my famous fan, when it gets a little overheated, alive, conscious in some way. Yes, I'm asking how. Conscious, how not you... necessarily the way you and I are conscious right now. Okay. But when you go into a deep state and you go in and merge with that fan, you find molecules and electrons and you find that little space inside of every electron that's like a little white hole where consciousness is coming from the other realms into form. It has an inner energy blueprint. Mm-hmm. that is what causes that fan to take its shape. Maybe that blueprint is held together by a collective consciousness. You know, mm-hmm. um, who knows? But inside, it. everything is is um, alive, vibrating, and frequency and, you know, vibration and consciousness, energy and consciousness are just the same, same. flip side of the same coin. Right versions of each other so Um, if something has energy it also has some kind of consciousness at some frequency level that makes perfect sense and as you were describing that this is an exploration as well penny i think for all of us perhaps when i look at this fan i'm going to try to merge with it when we get off the air (laughs) be the fan be the fan (laughs) gotta be a little funny perhaps Rather than the fan being conscious in and of itself, it acts as a catalyst through which consciousness can come through. That I kind of heard that, among other things, as you were describing. A catalyst for consciousness, meaning it has a measure of consciousness. And I agree, we know from a quantum uh, uh, mechanics perspective that these atoms and molecules that make up this thing called a fan are in motion just at a very slow rate of vibration, which Mm -hmm. appears to make it dense and inanimate and not anything. And yet at some deeply, deeply subatomic level, it's in motion. And in motion is energy. And if energy is consciousness, well, let's use this as a syllogism. Okay, (laughs) got it. My left brain had to work that out. (laughs) Right. Well, I think it's all about the frequency levels. Because look, we're here, everything inside of us is vibrating, but we're right next to the air. You know, and it's vibrating, but at a different level, different frequency. So Uh we're slower in this moment, our bodies, than the air. Sure. And yet, I think we maybe exchange particles, you know, a lot of times with other forms, right? there, Because where's a line? 
There's none. It's I just think frequencies one. are holding things in separate vibrate vibratory levels. So some of the particles are going to exchange. And, and of course, we also rock in and out of form, you know. And so we're here, and then we go out into, like I said, into the non-physical realm. And then we come back in, and we rematerialize, and we go. But it's so fast, we don't know we're doing it. But of course, that what is that the the butterfly syndrome or whatever the butterfly that is? Effect. Where, well, the butterfly, yeah, butterfly effect. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like one particle that's in us right now in an hour could be, you know, in France or someplace. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. No, it, I think that's a fascinating thing. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. This sort of I I call it vacillating between. Uh, particle and wave vacillating between in and out of what we call physical reality. I think it's happening all the time. Again, scientists have talked about this and I have heard from people that are saying, I'm feeling a sense that I'm starting to feel myself moving in and out of (laughs) certain spaces, whether Mm -hmm. it's because you're placing attention somewhere else. I was just saying on a show uh, a week or two ago, just the other day I was, well, not the other day, at the time I was giving the talking to this person, I placed my foot on the first step. And the next thing you know, I was at the top and I don't remember how I got there. Where was I in between? Right. <clears throat> yep. Mind somewhere else? Probably. But what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I literally blinking in and out of this reality, right. although I'm not able to capture it in a way that I, I, I feel that I, I, I normally right. would? And we could say that's a mini, mini, mini ascension and descension. I call it the round trip. You know, it's like we are always going out and checking, like even with our higher blueprint, you know, of like, well, what what is my life all about? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the next thing that's coming for me in my, uh, you know, creativity? And it's all kind of out there as a pattern. But I think we go out. And we become that pattern and then we come back in with it and we translate it into form. And then we check again, we go out and we do it at night when we're dreaming, we do it during the day. It's a constant oscillation. You know, constant movement. Yeah. There is no still, even though it appears to be, that's what some feel. Well, when you become with finally get to the oneness. Yeah. <laughs> but then we're out of, out of this three dimensional realm. Right. How fascinating. What do you say we take this to the after show, my friend? Sure. Get a little deeper. You have any exercises you could give to our journeyers over there that, you know, we love our techniques. You know, I think the biggest is to uh, to be quiet and and, and contemplate all that, that we're, we're talking about here. But there are some things that can perhaps trigger some of these states. Yes. Well, you know, one thing that's really simple is when you're feeling frustrated or negative or critical or whatever, see if you can stop a minute and drop in and see what was my left brain just saying? Because usually the left brain is making a negative declarative statement about the way you are, the way life is, the way the other person is. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's a, usually a fear-based, limited understanding kind of statement but once you say it, it acts as a set of instructions for your reality. Like, uh, I have a friend who says, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All the time. <laughs> I say, you got to stop saying that because you do know what's going on. And uh, 
so when you can notice that, I say write down that statement that your left brain has been making. You might notice when you do that that it's something your one of your parents said all the time mm-hmm. or a, a teacher or something. But then turn it around and make it mean the opposite thing. Like, like I don't know, turn it, well, I do know. Or I don't, I don't like to dance. Well, maybe I really do like to dance and I enjoy movement. And you can make it interesting to yourself by flipping it into something that you could be interested in, curious about, um, you know, not blocked about. And as soon as you do that, energy starts flowing again. Because when you're in the negative statement, you block the energy flow. Mm-hmm. And yep. as soon as you turn the, it around, everything moves. And you then have a way to grow and, re, and release that, you know, evolution process. Mm-hmm. Makes uh, sense. I yeah, but then about. when you turn it around, you need to imagine what that reality feels like. And get it into your body so that you go, uh-huh. Yeah, I like this. Right. Let's work on that, journeyers. You know what I want to to dig into? We're going to maybe tackle a couple of things over on the after show, Patreon after show, coming right up. Empaths, empathic, and the empath, the empathic struggle now, given all that's going on. I know you can speak to that. And I know many of you listening and watching are indeed empathic, like myself. You know what I did? The, I'll say this and then we'll sign off and go on next door. The door is opening. <laughs> I The other day, I started thinking about this idea of what it is to be an empath. And I thought, okay, I know lots of people in my circle that I would consider empathic. Who are the people that you don't? Now, I, I won't name names, but it's just very interesting as a contrast because I think we kind of throw that word empathic around like, a lot of people are, maybe most people are. No, 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 not not at all. This is a very, very unique group. I think they're maybe becoming more empathic because of what's happening. But it's just very interesting. I did that sort of contrasting comparison. And I could name some people in my circle that are and kind of went from there. But anyway, I digress a little bit. We're going to go next door. Penny Pierce, thank you so much. Oh, before we do, before we do, website. I'll tell you the website. It's Penny <laughs> with an E, P-E-N-N-E-Y-P-E-I-R-C-E <laughs> dot com. Did I get it right? Because you will let me know if I don't. Yeah. There's a lot of information on my website and Time. courses and all kinds of stuff now. Absolutely. Well, great. Penny, as always, it's an absolute delight to have you. Always so refreshing. We need you now more than ever, my friend. <laughs> so thank you. It's a pleasure. Oh, love you much. Love you too. Journeyers, (laughs) see you next door. Patreon after show right now. Talk to you later.